Welcome back to another episode of Wassos Goroba. I'm your host, Izzy LaRue, and today it's just going to be me and Harold Rucker the third. What's up, guys? All right, so since it's just going to be me and you, Harold, let's get into these topics. So tell me your thoughts about Steve Nash being named the head coach for the Nets. Yeah, Steve Nash. So at first, I was like a little up in the air about it just because he's never been like a head coach before. But like I went into some, you know, I was watching some videos on like ESPN and stuff like that. And the way people were breaking it down, he has a good relationship with Kevin Durant. So I think overall it made a lot of sense. And Steve Nash is obviously a really good, he was a really good point guard when he played. So I think he'll be able to help Kyrie out a lot because I think Kyrie will actually listen, listen to him considering he's won MVPs and stuff and he's had success in the league. So that's someone who's going to kind of like not necessarily demand, but he's going to get respect from like the star players. And I think everyone else will follow suit. So I think they're trying to do something really cool there in Brooklyn. I think they're going to be a strong powerhouse next year. I mean, for me, it was such a surprising hire because they did that like early morning, like a like couple of days ago. Woke up at like seven in the morning, saw all this. Oh, Steve Nash, Steve Nash. But for me, it it kind of goes into the thing if that if you were uh, semi successful to a great point guard in the league, if you want to get into coaching. There's definitely going to be a spot for you. They had it with Mark Jackson, Steve Kerr, Derek Fisher, Steve Nash, and some other people that I'm forgetting. But it seems like if you're if you were at least a decent point guard in the league, you can get a head coaching position for an NBA team right away without any experience. And I feel bad for those players. Oh, excuse me. When I said Mark Jackson, I meant Doc Rivers. I feel bad for those coaches who actually like like Mark Jackson, who hasn't coached since coaching that Warriors team before Steve Kerr took over, because there's a lot of people who had the experience necessary to take over that type of team. So I just, I don't know. I kind of, it's, we'll see what he does. He'll definitely get the respect from the players. Maybe we'll see um, a Kyrie pre-2016, 2017. But uh, yeah, yeah um, I I don't know, he might be one of those coaches who, like Steve Kerr and Nick Nurse, who get coach of the year and win a chip in his first year. Yeah, I hope Let's go, KD. <laughs> yeah, and you also saw that, you mentioned that, that he has a good relationship with KD, too, because he was on those Warriors teams as a player development assistant. So he and had... along with the Thunder, too, I'm pretty sure. He had some connections with them during the Thunder days, too. Oh, okay, yeah, I didn't know that. But, yeah, he's had... He, even though he hasn't had coaching experience, he's always been involved with teams in a certain type of way. And having that KD relationship, you know KD definitely wanted him to be a coach. Yeah, I, th- I think at least he definitely wanted him to be a part of the front office. You heard a lot of stuff about, like, uh, Greg Pop maybe leaving uh, San Antonio, leaving that to Tim Duncan. And then I was kind of hoping he might go to the Nets. But I think if – I think he'll – I think uh, – He'll pan out, you know. I think uh, he's a good signing, so I think the Nets will definitely be solid next year for sure. Top top three team in the East, I think, at least. That actually might happen because we don't know if Giannis is gonna be in the. On, yeah, exactly. So that that could very much happen. The Nets for the. But we past... ain't worried about Giannis. <laughs> the Nets for the past two years have been in that seventh spot without Kyrie playing that much, so. Who knows, they could take a major jump with those two superstars joining them. All right, let's go to our next topic. So, Harold, do you think Tampa now has an elite backfield with Leonard Fournette? 
I think so, yeah. Leonard Fournette, I think Leonard Fournette is super underrated. He was a baller when he was playing on the Jags, and the Jags just don't really didn't really have like I'm not gonna say they didn't have the pieces because I'm not gonna lie, the Jaguars have some like had some nice talent for a time, but they could never really figure out what they wanted to do at quarterback, and that kind of like trickled down to the rest of their team. I guess they didn't really have an identity, but I think Leonard Fournette is like obviously like a super solid running back, and playing with Tom Brady, who's you know. He's kind of known for checking it down, throwing to the running backs very often. Leonard Fournette is really good out of the out of the backfield. He was like fifth in receptions and fifth in yards for running backs, I want to say. So he's obviously going to be really fit for that offense. I mean, really fit to play with Tom Brady. And as long as I think they can get him to buy into their system and kind of like not be as much of a distraction, I guess, as he might have been in Jacksonville, I think they'll be solid. For me, I look at another team with – running backs who don't have big names that have a way better backfield than the Jacks. And that's the 49ers. They have Tevin Coleman, Drake McKinnon. They have these guys and uh, Raheem Mostert. These guys they proved last season and with Matt Breda being out, Drake McKinnon, hopefully he stays healthy enough to play his first season with the Niners. They proved that they were one of the best backfields in the NFL, even though they didn't have like, that one guy who could carry the team. Like, they didn't have a Saquon. They didn't have a Zeke. They didn't have a Christian McCaffrey. Workhorse. They don't have a workhorse. Exactly. You don't, yeah, Derrick Henry or Nick Chubb. They do – I love teams that do running back by committee because it gives guys time to catch their breath and whatnot. And also, you always have guys with different skill sets. You have Tevin Coleman, who's a power back. He'll get you – he'll get in the – if you put him in a red zone situation, he'll put the ball in the end zone. And then Jarek McKinnon, we saw how he played with Minnesota, how shifty he was and how good he can catch yeah, he's super, out, of the, shifty, yeah. Yeah, out of the backfield. And you have Raheem Mostert, who's arguably the best running back for, yeah, exactly, for the 49ers last season. Not only is he really fast, but he, he has the knack of finding the holes and getting there and just going. So to me, even though Tampa has these big-name backs like Leonard Fournette, LaShawn McCoy, you have to remember Ronald Jones Jr. last season. He wasn't. He didn't really do much, uh, yards wise at all. Yeah. So I'm just looking like you have Lashawn McCoy. Like no offense to him, he's kind of washed up right now in his career. He, yes, he was a great back once upon a time, but right now he's kind of washed. And you have Ronald Jones Jr. with Leonard Fournette. I think he's definitely going to be the best back out of there. But I don't see those three being better than the Niners running backs. No, yeah, yeah. Overall, I don't think that they have a better running back group. But I was saying, like, in terms of having, like, an elite backfield, I think they do. Because I think LaShawn McCoy, even with the even with the Chiefs, he showed, like, I'm not going to – he showed flashes of being near the same player that he was, how shifty he is. And, I mean, I don't like the way he carries the ball, how he's loose with it and everything like that. Because he – obviously, that's – you're prone to fumble like that. But, I mean, LaShawn McCoy is a playmaker at the end of the day. So, I feel like no matter how – much age he puts on he's gonna be able to show you sparks and show you flashes and Leonard Fournette is just a great running back in general he's not super like he's not crazy fast but he can definitely get to the outside but he's much more in the middle like run through you type of running back and I think the Buccaneers are gonna need that to change the pace because they they obviously have the weapons outside to be able to throw it as long as they want to but you definitely need to you know be able to run the ball down the middle to close down that box to make sure the you know, the safeties and the DBs actually have to play back. So I think it's definitely a good thing. 
do you think LaShawn McCoy could be the next Frank Gore in that he has a long career in the NFL? I'm going to say – I don't think he'll be – like, because I think Frank Gore is a lot better than LaShawn McCoy. Like, just in terms of career, that's just me because I'm a Niner fan. But I – like, there's – I think no because there's too many differences in their games. Like, LaShawn, I mean, Frank Gore has made a living off of, like, getting behind his lineman and finding the hole really quickly and just hitting it. Versus LaShawn McCoy, it's a lot more like, you know, like he's he's out in space all the time. So it's not always a guarantee he's going to make someone miss, especially when you're like, you know, 34, 35. You're getting up there in age. It's, you're not as fast. It's going to be a lot harder to get up there. Versus as, you know, Frank Gord running back, you're just getting behind your blocks and kind of just like waiting to see what hole opens up and just hitting it really hard. Definitely, yeah. All right, let's go to these next two topics we're going to be talking about the Nuggets and Thunders first round series and then into what they're going to do in the in the second round. So let's start with the Nuggets Jazz. I know you and me, Harold, we were already divided on that. You were going for the Nuggets and I was going for the Jazz. So give me your thoughts on that first round series. I thought it was great. Uh, I was a little scared. I'm not going to lie. I thought Donovan <laughs> Mitchell was going to close this out. Donovan Mitchell was balling, so I got to give him credit where it's due. But, um, you know, it was overall, I think it was a fantastic series. It was a great series to watch. Definitely probably the second best one because I think the Houston one had a little bit more just because that last really? game was. I think that, yeah, like, that's a, I think that Houston that's pretty one, bold. Yeah, I know. I like the Houston one more, mainly because I'm a Westbrook fan. But anyway, uh, I mean, obviously, game seven, I think, you know, that last, like, the last, what, two, three possessions-ish because there was a lot of going back and forth. I think that could have been played out a lot better by both teams. Uh, on that play where Donovan Mitchell was kind of just sitting back while uh, everyone else was uh, at the other end trying to chase down that the layup that um, Jamal Murray passed to, I forgot who it was. But um, I think Donovan Mitchell should have came back on that. There was no way he was going to make the – like there was no way any of his players were going to be able to make the pass in time for him to be able to get a shot off. I think it would have been a lot better if he chased down. And then may, even if he got to like half court, you're in a better position to take that shot and maybe make that shot. But uh, the late turnover by Donovan Mitchell hurt. And uh, I think, you know, the uh, the Nuggets, they did force it a little bit. You know, they went down the field because they thought, and they went down the court because they thought they could make the play and they thought they could get the easy layup and it didn't really turn out so well. And they almost lost because of it. But overall, I mean, I guess it worked out well for them and they moved on. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, early in the, in the show on a earlier episode, I said that this series was going to go to seven, which it did. But the way that I went to seven, I didn't expect that. I didn't expect the Jazz to go up 3-1 in the series and then have the Nuggets storm back to force a game seven. But the way that Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray played, it just excites me for the future of the NBA, especially since Donovan Mitchell, I've known for a while that he's been that player and now he's solidified it. But my thing with him, with the Jazz right now, is that even though they didn't have Bogdan Bogdanovich, I think if he they had them, it would have been a different series. But then also the Nuggets, they didn't have Gary Harris. Yeah. Or until um, that last game, I think. Yeah, the, the last two games, and so yeah. I think the Nuggets they just came together at the right time in this series. Like everything started clicking for them. They benched Michael Porter Jr. No knock to him, but right now he's a rookie. He doesn't. He can't. He's, he's not a really good. Out. Yeah, exactly. He's not the best defender. But he's really good at game boards, and he's a walking bucket. We all know that. So that that Nuggets team for the incoming future, I see them doing great things. But 
for for now. I don't like in the second round when they're gonna play the. You already saw it uh, against the Clippers last night. Uh, <laughs> I already knew they were gonna lose the first game just because of how tired they looked in that game seven because both teams only put up like it was eighty to seventy eight. And you don't yeah, usually no, see in that game. in a game. Yeah, you could see how tired they were. So game one, I already knew the Clippers were gonna take that, but I don't know for the rest of the series what they're gonna do. Uh, what do you think, Harold? Do you think the the Nuggets can get a game or two against that Clippers team in the second round? Okay, I'll give them a game or two. I don't I don't think they're gonna win the series though, just because I think the the Clippers are too much to handle overall. Just for I mean, just about any team, the Clippers are definitely a top three team just in general. So you know, the Nuggets will give them a fight. I think Jokic is gonna do some good things, like he did in Game Seven, dropping thirty. I think we're gonna see a lot more from Jokic, and I think. Obviously, they're going to be there's going to be a lot more defensive pressure on Jamal Murray now that everyone knows he's this is playoff Jamal Murray we're talking about. So, I mean, do you, oh, by the way, do you know if Patrick Beverly's coming back? Like when he's coming back? Yeah, he already came back. Um, okay. first game of the series. Yeah, so he's definitely going to be seeing a lot more like a lot tougher defense. But I still think that you know the Nuggets can win at least a game or two. So I think they'll be good. Yeah, I just want to say this one last thing before we move on to the Thunder Rockets um, talk. I want to see Donovan Mitchell get out of the Jazz. Like, I love him seeing him in a Jazz uniform, but that's just not the team for him. I feel like if he goes to a contending team with better, um, with a better front court, he could actually make a championship run. So uh, I need to see Donovan Mitchell get out of Utah. To rebuttal that really quickly, I, like, I think he, like, I mean, from a thinking championship, like, I think he should. But thinking legacy, like, he's built something in Utah. And I feel like if he can get, like, because you're not going to get, like, you know, any super, superstar free agent to come there, obviously, it's Utah. But, like, I think if you can get enough solid pieces around Donovan Mitchell, maybe not next year or the year after, but, like, he, even with the Jazz right now, like, if you bring in, like, a couple more pieces that are, like, you know, decently talented, maybe draft a couple more guys who could, like, be serviceable role players I think the Jazz are in a pretty good position with Donovan Mitchell if he keeps improving like how he has been because he's like a perennial playoff performer or I think he can be a perennial playoff performer if he keeps going like how he's going yeah but the thing about that is that well he's gonna have to wait at least three years three to five years to see that come into fruition he's like well like 22 23 but that right championship now. is gonna mean so much more if you if he stays with the team that he like i'm thinking about like a legacy like if he brings a championship to utah when like no one wants to play there like that's huge legacy stuff i'll throw you a situation right now but i don't even think it's true i hate to say it because lakers fans are so annoying but let's say he goes to la lakers in the offseason and LeBron, he either retires or goes back to Cleveland later in his career in like, in like three years, something like that. That team is going to be AD and Donovan Mitchell. It's going to be like Batman and Robin, except they're both Batman. And that right there, because he'll definitely get chips in LA with AD. I think that would be a better legacy than playing in Utah and maybe never, ever winning a championship. I think it depends. It depends on, well, yeah, yeah, no, obviously if he's not going to win a championship, like he'd rather win championships than not win championships. But I think it really depends on like who's on that team besides AD. Cause again, like you could have like some, like I'm like some Chris Middleton type players, like some all-star players who are like, you know, they're not like perennial all-stars, but like they're all-stars. 
like if you have a bunch of guys like that to me it kind of makes it look like you just jump ship and like went to a team that you knew was going to win on so i mean and like with that being said that that's a hit on your legacy just like it is for kd for most people so i feel like i mean just the idea of winning a championship in the on the team that drafted you without having to go out and get like some crazy all-star superstar player like i that to me like cements your legacy a lot better but i mean like i wouldn't be opposed to him going to la if, if the situation played out so long as he's not joining another super team all right so that's enough nuggets jazz talk let's talk about the thunders rocket series so give me your opinions on that first round series uh i thought it was i thought it was great you know because at first uh we didn't know what Russell Westbrook was going to do when he came back because James Harden was, you know, James Harden's been cooking through the playoffs for the most part up until that faithful game seven <laughs> where he decided to disappear, the full disappearing act on the offensive end there. I will say I'm extremely impressed with the way he played defense, especially on that last possession. That was insane. I was not expecting James Harden to clamp up on defense like that. But, you know, you would like to see them close out that game a little better. I remember I'm a Westbrook fan and I remember – Russ missing, I want to say, like, three contested but, like, makeable layups for him at the rim that could have put them ahead by, you know, like, two points at a time or, you know, keep adding that up. So I think they need to show up a little more in the clutch moments because they're not going to beat the, – they're not going to beat the Lakers playing like that. Like, if you miss too many, like, open, open shots at the rim like that, you're not going to beat a team like the Lakers. So they're definitely going to have to show up. But I, overall, that series is really great. Um I don't remember dude's name, the guy who was hitting all those threes in game seven, but he definitely oh, showed Dort. up. Yeah, no, he he cemented himself, I think. He's definitely going to be someone who's we're going to hear a lot more of as the years go on. And I know that that series hurt for Chris Paul especially because, I, 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 you know, I'm not a big Chris Paul, Paul fan, but I love the energy he brought to the playoffs, just like that dog in him. So I can really respect that. And, you know, it was a good back and forth between him and Russ, him and Harden. So I think overall it was a really great series. Yeah, I know. Um, they had like a 1.4 chance to make the playoffs, the Thunder did, before the season started. That's what ESPN experts gave them. And they, and they ended up as the fifth seed in the West. And we all know for the past, like, let's say decade, that West has been the toughest conference compared to the East, and you look at the East's fifth seed, who's the Pacers, they got swept by Miami. Like, they looked like they had no shot out there. No business being out there. Exactly. And you look in the West, they forced the game seven after going down 2-0 in that series. And it looked like for a while in that series that Houston was going to be a wrap. Yeah, it was going to beat them in five or something like that. But they came back three and four, tying it up, and it kind of looked like Houston, they were shocked that um the thunder were doing this but the thunder they've been doing it all season they don't really have these big name players and chris paul like doing what he did this season i think he's definitely cemented his legacy as one of the best point guards because i don't think a, a lot of players in the nba could have done what he did for the thunder this season because yes shea gilgis alexander he's really good but this was his sophomore season uh, Danilo Gallinari, he's an amazing three-point shooter. I mentioned Lou Dort, and of course Stephen Adams, the and with Dennis Schroeder too, who is a six-man of the year candidate. I don't, I don't think he's gonna win it because of uh, Lou Williams. But yeah, you have these names. They're not big names, but they're all these guys that can contribute to make wins. And you saw it happen all throughout the season. 
in the bubble and in the playoffs. So it was it was kind of hard seeing them lose like that because I don't think Shea Gilgis Alexander should have been the person who was um, inbounding the ball. I think it should have been CP3 to have an experienced player to be able to see the court and make the right decision instead of going based on the play that the coach drew up. Like you saw with Kyle Lowry, he was the inbounder and he passed like last night, he passed it to OG Ananobi who hit that three to win that game to not go 0-3 to the Celtics. So I don't know. I think Billy Donovan could definitely done a better job on that play. But yeah, and then you look forward to this Lakers series with the Rockets and Lakers. I don't know. I don't think the Rockets have enough to win it. I don't know. I get annoyed by all these Rocket fans saying Rockets and six, Rockets and six, talking about oh we went we went two and zero against the Lakers in the regular season after we traded away Clint Capella. My whole thing about this, that's the regular season. We're in the playoffs now. You're talking about playoff LeBron and AD. I don't yeah. see the Rockets winning because sure they're talking about oh PJ Tucker is going to take care of KD. That's laughable. PJ Tucker on K- you mean LeBron? on on AD? AD, yeah, on AD. Yeah. Come on, and then LeBron. Who's gonna guard LeBron? No one's gonna guard LeBron either. And, and I'm pretty sure uh, Roger Rondo is gonna come back, so um, he'll be able to um, maybe do something on the defensive end. But I don't know. I, we'll have to see what the Lakers do because I know their guard play for defense wise. Wasn't that good? You saw in the Clippers series for a little bit how they couldn't stop Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. But once LeBron and AD started getting going, it was over for them. And then, yeah, you, I'm looking at the not only on the offensive boards but defensive boards too. I don't think the Rockets are gonna get that many second chance opportunities because of guys like JaVale McGee, um, Anthony Davis, and um, Dwight Howard. Like they just don't have the high. And I'm about I've been saying this for I don't know how long. Small ball without a five, it does not work. It will never work. You've been work. proven wrong so far. I, I have not been proven wrong. I said they wouldn't get past the second round. They barely made it because out with their lives. They they barely made it out of the seventh round. So I mean out of the first round hey, in, in the game thunder, seven. The and it... That's all, right, all I'm saying. So listen here. Okay. I agree. I agree. The Lakers are probably going to win this series, but I'm not riding out the Rockets yet because I think if James Harden shows up and Russell Westbrook plays like we know Russell Westbrook can play, I give them a decent shot. Just because, again, the Lakers struggle guarding guards. Their guard play isn't very good. And obviously, Russell Westbrook and James Harden are two of the best guards in the game that the game has to offer. So I feel like if James Harden can get it cooking and not pull a James Harden in the playoffs, and Russell Westbrook can play like how Russell Westbrook plays, crashing the glass consistently. Because like me and Aaron were trying to tell you the first time, I'm telling you right now, it like the size doesn't matter that much when you really think about it. Like obviously, okay, AD is pro- like is gonna out out rebound Russell Westbrook most of the time. But Russell Westbrook is all about hustle. Russell Westbrook is all about diving for the ball and getting these loose balls and things like that. So you can't count out the Rockets' hustle. If that's one thing. That's one thing the Rockets have over the Lakers, I feel like, is hustle. So I feel like you can't ride them out, even though, you know, they might be smaller. They might, they're not going to be as big. But I still feel like the Rockets have a decent shot. All right, before we go to the next topic, I just want to get this straight. Hustle is going to win that series, right? It could. 
It very well could. If that's how that's how they're gonna win. It's gonna be hustle and Russ and and James Harden hitting his shots. Okay, well we'll we'll see about that. We'll see about that hustle come come tonight. <laughs> All right, let's go to the NFL topics now. Um, let's get, let's talk about our predictions for this year's NFL awards. I know um, we did one for the NBA, but that was after the regular season was done, and this time we're gonna give our preseason predictions for the awards so this is all just speculation based on past performances and what we think players are going to do so harold i'll let you go first with your list all right so for mvp assuming he stays healthy this year i think he's going to be patrick mahomes patrick mahomes like considering they just got clyde's clyde edward hilaire i don't know exactly how to say his name but they got a solid running back you know they have obviously the same Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, McCall Hardman. Like, there's weapons all over this field, and their defense isn't bad. So as long as their defense holds up the end of the bargain, I feel like Patrick Mahomes is going to do what Patrick Mahomes does and lead his team, probably do a, at least a 12-4 and four season, at least. So I think it's Patrick Mahomes is a safe bet. Like, I feel, like, pretty confident saying Patrick Mahomes will probably win it, again, assuming he stays healthy. He's, you know, he's always, he's, I think for the rest of his career, probably, he's going to be 4,000 yards and 4,500, okay, not 4,500, 4,000 yards and up, you know, at least 35 touchdowns up, like 35 touchdowns is generous, I feel like, I mean, 35 touchdowns is like a low ball, I feel like, actually, so, you know, he's going to be in between there, and he's not going to throw any more than 10 picks, so, I think Patrick Mahomes is a lock, Um, in terms of defensive player of the year, this can go a lot of different ways, but I feel like Khalil Mack, because he had a down year last year and he's voiced his kind of discomfort and in, in the way he played last year, and he's overall just disappointed in the way he played last year. I think he's bound for a bounce back season. I think Khalil Mack is easily one of the top three, if not the best sack artist in the game right now when he's uh, on. Let me so I feel your- like in that Bears defense, I'm gonna hey, stop you right there. What you're gonna talk about Shaq Barrett or something? No, 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 no. I'm telling no, you, I'm not, not, no, 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 no. Let, let me talk. How about you listen before you answer me? You're you're saying that he had a down year last year, right? Yeah. And that he's gonna do better this year, correct? Yeah. Well, wouldn't that better fit a comeback player of the year award rather than a defensive okay, player of the year award? But I'm saying because I have a different player for comeback player of the year, so yeah. <laughs> Don't wor- you worry about that. I'll worry about this. <laughs> but yeah, no. So like I said, Khalil Mack, I think defensive player of the year, uh, coach of the year. Listen, man. No, I no, really, no. We're I not know, doing. We're I'm not doing team. coach of the year. Oh, we're, we're doing offensive coach? rookie of the year, defense rookie of the year, and comeback player. Of the okay. Of the year. Offensive rookie of the year. Offensive rookie of the year. I'm gonna give that to Jerry Judy. Again, I don't have a, a lot receiver. of faith in Drew Locke yet. Yeah, I don't have a lot of faith in Drew Locke yet. I'm really not sure. I need to see more of him play because I'm not going to lie. I don't watch Broncos games like that, but I definitely will this year. Um, I'm giving it to Jerry Judy because I feel like he can have the kind of the same, like if you go, if you want to compare it to something, kind of like how DeAndre Hopkins was playing with quarterbacks who weren't really that crazy. It's going to be a similar situation for Jerry Judy. And considering he's playing with Cortland Sutton, who went off last year, and overall just a good receiving core, I think Jerry Judy is going to be able to get a lot more looks and I think he's going to get a lot more targets, a lot more touchdowns. So I think overall, he definitely has a strong chance to be the offensive player of the year. I mean, uh, offensive rookie of the year, I should say. Uh, defensive. Wait, we're doing defensive rookie of the year. Yeah. 
defensive rookie of the year. Um, I'm going to say, because I love this dude, I'm going to say Isaiah Simmons. I just think overall, he's a straight baller. There's really no position on the field he can't play. There's nothing he can't do. You want to move him to linebacker, move him to linebacker. You want to put him at safety, put him at safety. He can do anything you want him to do. And because of his versatility, I think that gives him a lot of options to get more picks, more sacks, just more tackles, tackles for loss, everything. So I think across the board, he's going to have the best rookie stats defensively. So I think overall, Isaiah Simmons will probably win defensive player of the year. And for my comeback player of the year, I'm going with that man, Cam Newton. As everyone's been saying, even the praise from Bill Belichick, that which is high praise coming from the be- one of, if not the best coaches of all time. We, he's talked about his work ethic. He talked about how he's the first one in and the last one out. So I think Cam Newton has definitely been putting on a show and trying to show everyone who's been doubting him that he still can get back to that 2015 MVP season. Or, yeah, I think it was 2015. Yeah, 2015 MVP season. So I think he's going to show everyone that he, I don't think he's not going to win MVP this year, but I think he's going to have a solid showing, especially playing in the AFC. That's a good list, but I'll raise you one better with my list. All right, we'll see. We'll see. MVP. Even though I don't see this team being at the top of their division, that's a knock to them because the team that's going to be at the top of the division is going to win the Super Bowl this year. It's Russell Wilson. What he's done these past few seasons, it's kind of like almost Drew Brees-esque where he has these great seasons, but he doesn't get the credit for it because there's better quarterbacks or better players who get the MVP award. But I feel like this is his season now. You had Patrick Mahomes two years ago, Lamar Jackson two years ago. You see, you're kind of seeing the award evolve into how the game is evolving. These dual threat QBs are winning these MVP awards. And Russell Wilson, he was... He's been playing a lot longer than those two and doing what he's been doing a lot longer than they have. So I I see him getting his credit this year, even though I don't see the Seahawks being better than the Niners. They might make the conference championship game, depending on where uh, seeding-wise. Yeah, seedings fall. Exactly, yeah. So for me, he's definitely, I've seen him as the MVP because he last season he, he, was a, he was an MVP candidate. So I think this year he finally takes the award home. And for Defensive Player of the Year, I'm going with, I'm sticking in the division, I'm going with Nick Bosa. He saw, he was one of the best defensive players last season as a rookie. So now, as he's going into his sophomore season, I don't see him at all having a sophomore slump just because of who's on the Niners' D-line with D Ford, Eric Armstead, and now you have Javon Kinlaw, and you still have these, like DJ Jones, you still have these guys who are still there. They just lost to Forrest Buckner. But even though he was a great player, I'm going to miss him next season. I don't see that as a huge loss to our D-line. So I think Nick Bosa, he's still going to be able to get sacks and go off next season. So I see him being the defensive player of the year. And that will be crazy because he'll get the defensive rookie of the award last season and a defensive player of the year this season. You don't really see that happening. That would and... be crazy, but it ain't happening. <laughs> <laughs> Offensive rookie of the year, this is a hot take. I've been big on him talking about what he's going to do because of the O-line that he has and the quarterback that he's in and just the overall environment that he's going to be in. That's Jonathan Taylor. He's a downhill running back. The Colts have one of the best lines in the league. He has Phillip Rivers, his quarterback, who has receivers. He has weapons around him. So they're going to have a balanced offense. And the way that he runs the ball, he's going to love that line. And I think if you haven't drafted uh, your – um, if you haven't had your draft fantasy yet, 
you guys should definitely think about getting Jonathan Taylor because even though people don't believe him, they're talking about Marlon Mack and all this. Marlon Mack is a different running back than Jonathan Taylor. Just get, I don't want to get that straight right now. He's a completely different running back. He has different skill sets. That's better suited for the offensive line and for what Phil River does. So I see him winning Offensive Rookie of the Year. Defensive Rookie of the Year. Harold, I was kind of sad that you said Isaiah Simmons because we're both Niners fans, and that just tells you that you're saying that he's going to terrorize our offense, which I also think is true. No, I think for those two games, he'll be quiet, but I think for the rest of the season, he'll be solid. <laughs> Uh, I'm going with guarding George Kittle. <laughs> I mean, Buda Baker said that him and um, Isaiah Simmons might have him on lockdown, which I don't believe because we'll probably Please, go. Please, do we see what happened with Buda Baker last year? <laughs> yeah, we might go um, a two tight end set with um, Jordan Reed too, so they'll have their hands full. Oh, yeah. I'm going to say Chase Young for the Washington football team. That guy's a beast, and he's he came from the same college as Nick Bosa. Uh, the Ohio State, okay, I got it right, guys. Don't get on me for that. But Ohio State, they produce some really good defensive players. You, we all know that. Even though LSU or Texas, they try to claim DBU. We all know it's Ohio State. They've had the best DBs come out of there for the past, well, like five years, something like that. And not only that, but they've had some great DNs come out of that school too. Uh, Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa, and now Chase Young. I feel like, and that, that D-line, it's very underrated. They have um, um, Mantra Sweat on there and some other good rushers on there. So I, I don't think he's going to be getting doubled a lot um, his rookie season. So I feel like he's going to take home that award. And comeback player of the year, I think it's unanimous. Unless he has some offseason or something, like knock on wood for a bit, something bad happens. It's going to be Cam Newton. I just don't see any other player gained that award. Cam is right. too solid. He's been right. working too hard. That's very true. You especially getting that praise from Bill Belichick. He doesn't really give that praise to too many players too. Yeah, exactly. You know like you don't hear him talk about Brady like that, or at least not as much. <laughs> you know, he's kinda he's quiet about Brady for the most part. But Cam Newton's been getting a lot of praise from Bill Belichick and I think that's definitely something everyone needs to pay attention to because that doesn't come out a lot. All right, talking about Pat and Bill Belichick, let's talk about their division. Harold, tell me, do you think the Bills are going to do better than the Pats this year? Okay, I don't fault anyone for saying that the Bills could do better than the Patriots this season, but I have too much faith in Bill Belichick as a coach and with the, with the defense he can put together, as well as the comeback that Cam Newton is going on. I think – their offense isn't crazy good, but I feel like with Cam, they have a more diverse offense, being able to run options and overall just the ability to have Cam escape the pocket whenever he needs to and get it to James White because James White's a huge playmaker. And obviously, you know, we didn't get to see a lot of Nikhil Harry, but I think he could still develop into some like a, you know, a solid receiver for Cam along with all, a lot of the other receivers they have on their team. But I think mainly defensively, they're going to have to put on a show again like they did last year. If they can do half of what they did last year defensively, I think they'll be in a good position. And I don't knock the Bills. The Bills have incredible talent on their defense as well. The Bills have easily a top five defense, I feel like, with Trey Edmonds and Tredavious White and those guys. So they definitely have a solid defense overall. And they just added uh, Stephon Diggs, I want to say. Didn't they just add Stephon Diggs? Yeah, yeah. they did. So that's going to be a problem. But I feel like Josh Allen – I think at least right now is a little too young to step into that limelight. I don't think 
they're going to be able to, you know, Bill Belichick is You don't think he did it last insane. season? No, he did, but I'm saying, like, I don't think he's going to be able to step up and be do better than what he did last year. That's what I'm trying to say. I think Bill Belichick is going to be able to shut them down when they play because, again, Bill Belichick is a defensive genius. He's great at taking away what you love to do, and I think he's going to be able to do that again to the Bills. And uh, overall, I think the Patriots are probably going to win that division. Very interesting, but you mentioned the Patriots, Stevens. You have to remember the Patriots' defense, they had the most – um, players out of any other team opt out of the season due to coronavirus concerns. So they lost what I think um, Patrick Chung, um, their the linebacker, um, Dante Hightower, and some other key pieces that defense. So I don't see that defense being nearly as good as it was last season, season even though they still do have Stephon Gilmore. I just I don't see it. I don't see them being better than the Bills defense because you mentioned who's on the Bills defense. Like Tre'Davious White, he's arguably might be better than Stephon Gilmore next season. Who knows? And then you look on the offensive side with Josh Al- uh, with Josh Allen. I think this guy's like he's just getting up there every season. He's going. He's getting better. I don't see him being stagnant at all, especially with like having Cole Beasley. Uh, Stephon Diggs, Devin Singletary in the in the backfield, and um, who they have at, at the line too. I just, I think the Bills are definitely gonna be better than the Pats. I don't think they're gonna be like crazy amount of wins better than the Pats. I think probably like a win or two better than them. But they're still gonna do better than what the Pats are gonna do next season. Even though the Patriots have Cam Newton, Drew, Julian Edelman, James White, and Nikhil Harry. And all that, because they, they just released Muhammad Sanu, which was a big shock because he would have been a great fit with Cam Newton, but I guess they didn't see that. So yeah, for me, definitely Bills are gonna do better than the Patriots this year. I can see it. It's just uh, I have more faith in Bill Belichick and what Cam Newton can do than I do in what Josh Allen can do and Doug McDermott. I want to say that to the coaches. I don't know. Let, let's okay. Let's move on to our next. I'm pretty sure it is. Next topic. Um, let's keep in the AFC. So, who do you think is going to be the second best team in the AFC West, which is the division with the uh, Chiefs, who also has the Broncos, Raiders, and Chargers. I think it's. I'm. I've been coming around on the Broncos. I'm not going to lie. So I think it's going to be the Broncos again. It really does all depend on how Drew Locke plays. But if any, if the end of last season is any indication, I think he's getting a whole lot better. So, and again, with their defense, their defense is solid, really solid. Actually, Vaughn Miller's still going to be a problem. Chris Harris, wait, no, does Chris Harris Jr. should play for them? I don't no, know. He, but they overall, the they have a solid Chargers. defense. Without, even without Chris Harris Jr., they still have a solid defense regardless. And offensively, they have so many weapons. The, like, they have so many different targets. KJ uh, Hamilton or Hampton, I forgot his name. Uh, obviously, um, Sutton and then Jerry Judy. There's a whole, and then Philip Lindsay. There's a whole lot of targets for Drew Lock to throw to, which makes it a lot they easier. Also have Melvin even if Gordon you're a quarterback too. who isn't it. Oh, they picked up Melvin Gordon. Okay, yeah. So Melvin Gordon, they have a plethora, a plethora of pieces that they can use. So I feel like overall, their team, top to bottom, is solid. And I feel like if Drew Lock comes to play, like how, you know, Broncos fans are coming around to him and John Elway seems to think he can. So. I'll take it from John Elway. I think they're going to be pretty solid. 
uh, correct me if I'm wrong, um, John Elway really hasn't been that good of a GM. He got he just got Peyton Manning on that team. But he, uh, but I'll tell you one thing: he knows a quarterback when he sees one. Uh, that's this true. Is John Elway we're talking about. He's one of the great greatest quarterbacks of all time. But uh, I just don't see them being better than the Chargers because we all know I think the Raiders can be the worst team in that division. I think we can both agree on that. Um, but the Chargers, they have that set defense. That defense is way better than the Broncos defense, even though they lost the um, their safety. I forgot his name. What, what was his name, Harold? Which one? The Chargers. The safety for the Chargers? Yeah. I know you're not talking about Derwin James. Oh, yeah, Derwin James. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, he got injured again. He had to get um, oh, knee surgery. I thought you meant like someone signed him. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. So, yeah, he, he's hurt. Even though he's hurt, they still have the rest of the defense with Joey Bosa, Melvin Gordon, the third, those two DNs, and you have Chris Harris Jr. with Desmond King. They have a solid defense, and then you look at the offensive side oh. – um, Justin Herbert's not starting. They announced that Tyrod Taylor is going to be their quarterback for the beginning of the season. He has Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, Austin Eckler. They're they're just going to do a lot better than the Broncos because I just I don't have any belief in Drew Locke whatsoever. I feel like the Broncos what they should do is tank to try to get Trevor Lawrence, which I'm sure a lot of teams are going to try to do this season because. I feel like Trevor Lawrence's athletic abilities and quarterback prowess is going to perfectly translate into the NFL. We saw with Deshaun Watson, uh, Dabu Sweeney, he knows how to develop quarterbacks to play. I don't know about all that. You know about all that? Oh, okay. Well, we'll see. All right, let's go to our last topic of, of the day. Tell me your thoughts on the Adrian Peterson Cup. It's shocking, you know. I'm a huge Adrian Peterson fan. Adrian Peterson is one of the greatest running backs of all time. One of the greatest running backs I've ever actually gotten to see with my own eyes. So, you know, it sucks. But at the end of the day, he's at the tail end of his career. I do think he'll – I hope and I, you know, I think he will get picked up by another team just because he's overall just a solid guy to have in your, like, locker room. You know, he's going to be able to teach young running backs the way to play, how to, you know, do everything that you want to know how to do as a running back from blocking to – pass catching and just overall just teaching them how to get through holes and stuff like that so if not as a main perennial like starting running back I think he'll get signed as like a mentor type player but it definitely sucks to see him get cut considering you know this dude has been a lot like he's been a part of like my childhood a lot in terms of like watching the Vikings play because people like I only watched the Vikings play when I was a young to watch Adrian Peterson play so you know to see someone who's as big time as that get cut it sucks but Again, it's, you know, he's up there in age, and I think he'll get signed as a mentor eventually. Yeah, it was definitely shocking to see him get cut because I thought he was going to be the number one back in Washington with everything that happened with Darius Geis, but uh, I guess not. I don't even know who the running back behind him is, but I guess they liked him better than Adrian Peterson. But I heard heard some rumors talking about he might go to Tampa. It's kind of funny what's happening with Tampa. Um, Damn. They went from the they went from the beginning of the offseason to having get that ring. no running backs to now it's basically a crowded backfield Every, now. So Golden I, State Bucks. I, I definitely don't see him going there because they're going to, what, have three backs that were cut last se- in the offseason? I mean, if, if the Bucks do pick him up, I feel like they're probably – if the Bucks pick him up, they're definitely cutting Sean McCoy. 
Yeah, I want because I mean, don't think personally, be, I think Adrian Peterson is right now better than Lafleur McCoy. But I see, actually, I see Adrian Peterson going to the Patriots. Right, because it's not a bad fit. Exactly, you have James White in the backfield with Adrian Peterson. That's a perfect fit for for them, if you ask me. Cam, I bet you Cam Newton would love to have Adrian Peterson on his team. Yeah, sounds like a flashback team, but you know. They're going to be solid. Okay, well, thank you guys for listening into this episode. Make sure to catch tomorrow's episode. It's going to be with Alexa Melitas. She's going to be talking about um, her season's cancellation at Marquette.